listening to the Wildlifers Podcast. Brought to you by Bill Fick Ford. That's no bull. Mellon Creek Outfitters. Raising standards, not fences. Huntonly.com, your source for hunting information. And by Falling Feathers Game Calls, the best calls for the serious sportsman. Welcome to the Living the Wildlife podcast brought to you by the Wildlifers. This is Dan Brayman. I'm here with the owner of All or Nothing Adventures and Falling Feathers Game Calls, Corey Cribb and uh, Dustin Mueller, the manager of Mellon Creek Outfitters, and Richard Jankowski, a very good friend of ours, and also lieutenant of the Texas Highway Patrol. We all do a lot of hunting together. And we're here this evening to sit down and talk a little bit about waterfowl hunting. I've been doing it my whole life, starting before I can remember with my dad down on the bay in Port O'Connor, Texas. Richard and Dustin haven't been doing it that long, uh, but I think they're both fairly addicted to it. And, of course, Corey has done it his whole life as well. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about All or Nothing before we get going here? I know that the three of us know a lot about it, but perhaps the people that we're talking to don't. Yes, sir. So uh, Falling Feathers Game Calls and All or Nothing Adventures is both companies that I started um, pretty much full-time right out of college. Um, out there in, uh, you know, we do a lot of stuff in Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. And in Missouri, for all or nothing, we do uh, quite a bit of, you know, um, waterfowling in our in dry fields and managed watersheds. Uh, you know, basically throughout the Midwest, chasing them, pretty you know pretty hard. A lot of mallards and a lot of Canada geese. Uh, occasional specks and snows in there as well and stuff. So, w- tell us your story. I mean, how did the, all of this get going? You know, how did you arrive at, you know, building duck calls, goose calls, and then or did you start in the outfitting business? I mean, what what is the story behind Koi Crib? Well, that's a long one, which I don't doubt we have that much time for, but I can give you the skinny. We, um, I started on, on the call company right out of college. Um, really wanted to do it. Thought it'd be a really fun idea. I was doing a college class, and, um, you know, I just, that was my fake company at the time was was a duck call company for the school deal and I thought man this would actually be a really cool thing to actually try and do it and ended up doing it I had a I I called a lawyer got the business started and then had to figure out how to actually make a duck call after I formulated the LLC and it took me about two years to get it figured out and I got it figured out and we made a, a great call really really you know, good flagship calls that Sidewinder we started out with, and then it's just kind of gone from there. Uh, we got into, you know, we got into Bass Pro Shops. We're in, we do shows and stuff all over the United States, traveling around from Oregon and uh, all over. I mean, it's all over the place. We're, we're everywhere. And uh, but what yeah. about what about your outfitting business? How did you get into that? Well, the outfitting business, it was always a dream of mine to have one. And when I was a little kid, you know, we did a lot of homeschooling and stuff when we were younger so we were able to hunt every single day of the season always and my dad was a was a big big game hunter and stuff and so he was always leaving also to go to alaska and everywhere 
and we had a group of guys that we'd always hunted with in Illinois, where I was originally from, and those guys still wanted to hunt even though Dad wasn't there. And I had all the access to the land. Well, Dad did, but I did too because I was, you know, his son. So I'd meet these guys up at our barn every morning, and I was just, I had to be probably 11 or 12 years old. I had a four-wheeler and a trailer, and I'd be I'd be dry, meeting them guys up there at the barn every morning and basically guiding these guys, um, taking them out, and, you know, I'd put out decoys. I'd, they'd ask me, hey, do you want to hop in our trucks, you know, and we'll take you out to the field. I'd say, nope, just follow me, hop on my four-wheeler and take off down the road. And we'd set it up, and we, we did really well. We'd smash them every day, it seemed like, you know, when we were younger. And um, so I'd always take them back and cook them breakfast and stuff afterwards. So I started this little, you know, my, got my, my dad got me business cards when I was like 13, I think, or 12. I, that's probably 12. Casey Honker's Guide Service that was my first, you know, business card. And it was pretty cool. We took out a lot of, a lot of people in that area because we were not terribly far, about 60 miles outside of Chicago. So we took out guys like Bobby Hall, and, or we took out Bo Jackson. We took out, we took out a lot of cool, cool people, you know, out hunting. It was, it was great. So that's kind of how it's kind of evolved from there. And huh? It's just kind of kind of gone from there through college and stuff. I'd be I hunted every day, no matter what, all through high school and college and stuff. And um, man, just kind of got a got a good name for myself as being a killer, diehard guy. And people would I, I didn't really think about doing it full time when I got a little bit older at first. I just take people out to pay for my gas and kind of fuel the addiction. And then uh, it just kind of spawned from there. Well, it's kind of. You know, a weird story how we met. We actually, Richard and Dustin and I actually went to uh, Missouri on a on a uh, snow goose hunt and <coughs> had kind of a, I don't know, a disagreement or a falling out with the guy that we hired. And we, I think one of you guys actually Googled. We Googled him yeah, and he came up. Looking for uh, somebody else to take us before Dustin got thrown in jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually talked to a, a good friend of ours that had been to the ranch here, and he recommended Corey because he said oh, that's he vouched right, for that's him. That's right. It was uh, Chris Irwin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Chris. Yeah, we called Chris him. Chris Irwin said, "Man, I've got a guy. He's an awesome guy, and he'll take you hunting. You know, and call him, and yeah. that's how we met. Kind of a small world, you small know. Small world, and actually kind of a fluke deal because where you guys were hunting was it up in Mound City, Missouri. Right. Right. And I, I don't typically guide up there. I just is a, it's a, there's a lot of people. It's a rat race. It's kind of a deal that I don't typically go towards. But the <coughs> birds, the way it dictated that you know specific year, it was just a one of those deals. You know, I had to kind of go up there. That's where the birds were, and and it is kind of a neat neat thing how that worked out. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But I, I there's just something about waterfowl hunting that it's not something you cannot do very easily. I know that. Richard went with us on that one incredible hunt that we had up there, and um, and he's been hooked ever yeah, since. He's yeah, been kind of a Just mainstay, keeps begging. The, a mainstay in the duck blinds and goose pits ever since. You know, it was uh, pretty cool, really. Uh, first morning, you know, it was freezing, freezing cold, and all those thousands of ducks got up and started coming our way. And I think you've been pretty well hooked, hooked ever hooked. since then. Yeah, yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Really, really enjoy the, it. I don't know whether it was the first or fifth, but and certainly in the top five, first five geese he killed, we got a picture inside the Ducks Unlimited magazine of him shooting a big honker. That was pretty cool. Absolutely. Never seen a Canadian geese before yeah. that day. 
Canada yeah. geese, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Canadian. It's same Canada. thing. It they don't make matter. fun of you if you say Canadian. Canadian. I'm learning too. Oh, Richard, okay. I'm learning. Well, I'm so new to this waterfowl, and I I don't know much about it. Me and Richard, we just shoot ducks and we shoot geese, and then y'all tell us what you know if they're redheads, greenheads, yeah. whatever. Sort we them just, out on the yeah. ground. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah, if a hen falls when you're mallard hunting, there's <laughs> it, a pretty good chance that Richard shot it. No, it was Dustin. <laughs> was it? Guarantee you. <laughs> I do not shoot the hens. I know I don't either. I only shoot green heads. That's it. Yet inevitably, there's always the hens that get killed. Not by me. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't make you know, mistakes. You know, when you talk about duck hunting, and, and there's so much more that goes to duck hunting, that goes with it. You know, it's not just about getting in the blind and shooting a duck. Mm-hmm. It's It's the work that goes into it. It's the, you know, you know the conservation side of, the management of not hunting certain areas and and figuring out what they're feeding on. And then when you do get all the decoys out and the sun starts coming up and, and the beauty in watching the ducks come in and hearing them whistle over your head and and watching the, the big, dogs the work. The the dogs for me, man. That's oh, me too. It's just there's so much to it. Because, you know, when my old dog, Party, died there for two years, I didn't have a dog, and I didn't duck hunt for two years. And, you know, duck hunting has been kind of a mainstay annually for me since I was a little bitty kid. But without a dog, it just, it's not the same for me. Well, there's a lot more also, too, that goes into it that a lot of people don't see, you know, especially from the outfitting side of things when it comes to your scouting. And like Dustin just touched on, you know, the management side of, of it as well because you only have a limited amount of birds at a certain time that come through. So when you do have those, you know, you have to manage your assets properly. You can't overshoot, a, you know, your watershed or your pond or your field. If you can, if you, if you think about it right and you manage it properly, you can consistently have good gunning out of a certain spot time and time again. Well, and that's something that, that you know, you know, as in, you know, my job here is to manage the deer herd. Well, our deer don't get up and fly off. You know, they don't fly to Canada every year. So, you know, what what deer's here this year, he's going to be here next year unless a coyote kills him or if he, you know, dies of old age or some kind of disease. But, you know, the duck hunting is a kind of a resource that comes and goes. It, it you really, know? and it's, 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 t- it's a tough, you know, deal because they're going to be, you know, the way the, the migration patterns change throughout the, the years, you know, that, you'll see transitions of birds moving, you know, either east or west or different flight lines, different flight paths where, you know, Stuttgart, Arkansas was the capital of the world 20 years ago. You know, when Dan, when you were growing up, that was the, that that was was the place, place to, be. to be. Yes, yes. You know, and now, um, you know, it, it's, in my opinion, the new capital of the world is going to be in Kansas. I mean, it's it's coming there. It's It's just too good. I think a lot of waterfowlers, especially us in Texas, and maybe probably on all three coasts, perhaps overlook, you know, those states like Kansas, Nebraska, areas up in that little. So you don't, far you know, inland. You think about that, you don't think water. And if you don't think water to us, you don't think ducks. Right. Sure. And um, I'm going to tell you what, I've. I've hunted the ducks for a very long time down here on the water, and I have never had duck hunts like I've had up there. But, no. you know, it's we don't get animal. mallards down here. I mean, you know, I, I kept, the only mallard that I've ever taken in Texas was in 1982. That's the only one I've ever seen down here. Are you kidding? No, that's the only one I killed, and he was banded. 
Well, that's lucky. Yeah, that's he nice. was banded in Oregon two years before I got him. Wow, that's yep. fantastic. I know it. I know it. That is fantastic. I think for me, having such limited experience duck hunting, when we pulled up in a plowed field, I thought, man, are we really at the right spot? Yeah. <laughs> Can, yeah. Oh. Would there be a duck in dirt? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just the dry field hunting is a, it's unbelievable. a totally different deal. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Whatever. Well, man, I tell you, when you get those ducks coming down, you know, in those tornadoes that they call them, would you call them a duck duck tornado? Yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> that, you know, that doesn't happen here. And, no. um, man, it's some kind of cool. It is just ridiculous. And, you know, to there's just nothing about duck hunting that I don't really, really like. It's a rush. It's such it a is. Rush. And uh, it's a hell of a lot bigger rush for us because we don't have to do any of the work. <laughs> well, speaking of the, the work, you know, you're talking about the weather, too, about changing the patterns. You know, this year when we were hunting with you, it got really, really cold, like super cold, and everything started freezing up. And I recall seeing you get into a pond with a chainsaw cutting holes in the ice. I videoed it. I'd never seen a chainsaw used to cut ice. Of course, it doesn't really freeze down here, and I thought it was uh, – Pretty good effort. Was, I thought it was new and improved dedication. I sure, really did. Absolutely. I did not envy him. No, I didn't <laughs> run out there to get it from him and well, no, take I, over. I, I would have uh I would have for sure if it would have been up to me, we'd have been headed back to the hotel. Absolutely. Or like throw a bunch of mesquite on the ice and started a fire and let it just burn, burn it, it off. I yeah. mean that that would have We worked. needed a fire. It was cold. It was ridiculous cold. Yeah. But man, the, the the beauty involved with it and the uh I don't know. It's just hard to explain. Seeing those geese come in and yeah. locking up and diving down in there, that, that's what that makes it I think it fun. you have to be along the coast to hunt waterfowl. You might need to get in touch with Corey and go see for yourself if you don't. You don't just need to not be near the water. You need to go up there to Kansas and see the amount of ducks that are there. I mean – that one little pond right down from where we stayed mm -hmm. this year when was that one was evening, loaded the one evening we didn't yeah. hunt we went scouting with Corey. i mean you couldn't you could have flown over that pond and dropped a quarter and there's no way you wouldn't have hit a duck or a goose yep. and oh, yeah. you know i say pond but it's a big it's a lake it's not really a pond and man it's just something else um i think when you're talking too about the work we keep going back to the work because it is a lot of work and we're talking about Corey, how the weather does dictate how things are going to go i thought it was pretty neat how you'd have a plan a b c and d for whatever the weather conditions direction. the wind and then uh, another part of the work that i thought was kind of uh uh was new of course is the importance of the decoy spread and how they're set up and how it could blow uh everything how it could have uh how it could just spook everything off, or it may be right, or you may have to get back out in the middle of them and rearrange everything right. within the first 30 minutes yeah, of I've the hunt. Yeah, I've seen that, too. That's what's really always intrigued me, especially about uh, goose hunting. I don't I don't know that it makes that much different duck hunting, but I've seen them go out and move as few as two decoys out of 50. Right, here they and come. And change up the whole thing. You yep. know, they were flying over you at 200 feet high, and the next thing, they're right in your face. Yep. And you just move two decoys, and, you know, it, they've done it too many times for it to be luck because that's what I thought it was at first. Because, right. You know, what can two decoys possibly matter? But it does matter, and um, I'd be sitting there a long time before I'd ever think to move those two decoys. No. I would definitely move the wrong two decoys, and then they'd be 400 feet up. I would just go home with nothing because I wouldn't have even known how to start putting out the no, decoys. No, there's, <laughs> definitely, 
there's and you a don't lot just build ducks, duck and goose calls because I, you know, I use your turkey calls when I guide yes, all sir. the turkey hunts and then when I hunt for myself. And um, they, I like them. They, they work really well. And, and you are thinking about doing uh, coyote calls as well? Yes, sir, that's correct. We actually have a prototype out currently that uh, we've, got, we've got some friends out in Kansas using them right now, and they are just they're wearing them out. So it's, it's pretty cool. So I think we're, those will be going into production here real real soon, which I'm, I'm kind of excited about because this predator hunting is cool. new to me. We actually went out with Stephanie last night and did some did some calling, and it was it was pretty awesome. Why don't you go ahead and tell them what else happened? I'll do it. Okay. They called in two coyotes, a double to 40 yards, <laughs> emptied two AR-15 well, clips, and the coyotes are still still safe. Yeah. They're still oh, safe. They are. That's yeah, good. It was, yeah. uh, you know, it now was they might be a slightly nervous coyote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little gun shy now, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, but it was an important thing. The call worked. Yeah. It was, might not yeah, be able to shoot very good, but the call did its yeah. job. It was a yeah. neat deal for sure. I've never experienced something like. I tell you what, when that works, it works. It's fun. It is fun, and I. The only time I guess I guess I had done one calling session one time I was out in Colorado and went out with a guy, and he was using you know a call. We we went quite a few spots. Never seen a coyote. I thought that this is just not not for well, me. Well, see that's the way Dustin and I do that. Uh, we do a lot of calling, but we don't do hardly any really killing. Much killing. <laughs> yeah. I'm you know, not. You know, uh, we've, we've got some issues with calling them in. One night Dustin and I went out. We had a friend down here. We'd practice roping. We got in a jeep. We went down to the pasture. Man, I think we called probably seven, eight spots. We had five dead coyotes. We got back to the house, and we said, okay, we got it. <laughs> we know how we're doing. We went out maybe either the next time or the time after that. It was blowing like 35 miles an hour out of the north, and we called one in at the first stand, and I killed it. And we said, well, that's it. We figured this out. We can call them in 35, not winds. We can call them, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, <laughs> rain and snow. It doesn't matter. That was 11 years yeah. ago. We ain't called one in since. <laughs> <laughs> so things are going really well in that department right. for Dustin and I. And I uh, thank God that I don't do that bad in the turkey calling department. Because Yo, that would be no pretty embarrassing. Don't. Yeah, you, you're pretty solid on a turkey call, that's for sure. And you mentioned your your dog earlier molly yeah and we hadn't talked about the dog work i will tell you that's one of the things that on the duck hunting that to me is just amazing how and, and Corey's dog is a is a model uh we didn't mention that but when we get to watch those dogs work to me that's as fun as shooting it's more those fun ducks to me. absolutely and just watching them I mean, and the, the story on the dogs is not me i cheated I, that's you know, okay I went, <clears throat> excuse me i went to the to the unit united kingdom and uh, bought one of the finest Labradors that's ever come out of that country. Uh, yeah, she's a robot. Yes, yeah, she's fun to watch. Yeah, but it's. But Dustin bought a puppy in somewhere Texas, and he made that dog do almost everything yeah. Molly do himself, and he's never even been duck hunting, much less trained a lab. But he and got it, him. And, and I went hunting with her uh, in Kansas, and I went hunting with her in Texas several times this year, and he and I would take turns sending Molly and his dog Remy. And I'll tell you what, I was pretty impressed because, I mean, she may not be as high and tight as Molly is, but she knows what left and right and back that's is and sit still when you shoot, and that's more than I could do with one. That's I don't have the patience nor the time. That, to me, is what's amazing, seeing them on whistles or whatever and finding those, those ducks that may have been out there an hour from the beginning of the hunt. Oh, yeah. You think you've got a general idea and just watch those dogs work them up. Or to have it, I mean, I have a lot of dogs. And if you whistled at mine, you may never see them again. And these dogs, when they whistle, 
I mean, they take heed and, and, and do what they're supposed to do and know the hand signals. And um, I just love watching the dogs work yeah, as I much as too. I love the duck. Yeah, I'm probably more. I just love it. Me too. Yeah. I, I do. Like I said, I didn't even go hunting when I had two two years when my dog was dead and I didn't get another one. So. Well, I guarantee it adds a, a very important dimension to the to the duck hunt is taking my dog you know sure. um you know she's young and she doesn't know every trick in the book yet but the more every hunt that i take her on she gets better and better you know back here me and dan went down to the ranch and and we had some really good duck hunts this year and you know and she did as good as i could hope for a puppy to do yep. you know well, she got um, every duck you sent her after. She got every and duck. And Molly got every duck I sent her after. So. Can't ask for anything more. No. And, you know, Better God knows late. what Molly's been trained to do, and we're not even going to talk about what Molly cost, but it was slightly more than Remy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Remy did everything Molly could do, so yeah, that's something that's to be extremely proud of. Absolutely. Because uh, it takes a much better person to do that than the way I did it, although the next time it comes around, I'm going to do it the same way. Uh, <laughs> because I don't have the time nor or the patience. patience to make any kind of dog other than a bobcat dog. Yeah. And you know, you take you take like like what I did with her is is not I I credit the dog. I think that dog is really smart because I didn't have any idea what I was doing. You know, I'd been duck hunting with you guys and I'd seen y'all's dogs and and I'd talked to Dan and he told me a few things to do and man, I just went out there and messed with her for ten minutes a day and. You know, many days. It wasn't a few days, but but just repetition of sitting out mm -hmm. there in the evening before the mosquitoes got bad in the summer and and before we got hot and and just repetition over and over. And and I really credit that dog. Is she's just smart? It's you in know. their blood too. You know, I mean, she they want to learn. Well, I, must not, I must not ever got a smart one. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to credit the owner a little bit more than you're crediting it because I can screw up a Labrador about as bad as I can screw up cooking something. <laughs> And what's cool about these dogs, too, is they're your friends, you know. I mean, they, you know, people don't understand. They're not just, yeah, they're, you know, Molly lives in your house, in your room with you. Now, Remy stays outside, but she wants to be inside. But, I mean, she, if I leave my door open at my house to my truck, she's in my truck every day. And I take her driving around the pasture. You know, they're our buddies. Absolutely. You know, they're not just tools. They're friends too. They're our well. If you duck hunt more, friend. you'd have one. I'd probably. I know I would. I, I wouldn't. I won't go without them. I don't have one. I just have to go with y'all. Cause okay. So I got one final question. What is the one duck on this earth that you want to get more than anything else? Oh, it's a damn wood duck. That well, you have dang wood duck. He can decoy him in turkey season, but boy, during duck season, he's having some issues. <laughs> I have never seen one in duck season, except this year I went to Waco, had this guy out, family member, looking for wood ducks. He found three in a little pool. Well, by golly, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning because I was going to go kill one of those three. And, you know, they weren't there, so I did not get one. But I am a wood duck is my that's my duck a wood duck well i i'm gonna get one one day i hope you do too this I hope year I'm there to see it this year but i have never got to go hunt wood ducks uh, i'm ready well for me and hopefully richard and i are going to rectify this this coming year i I've, I've killed so many ducks and my top three that i do not have is a king eider a harlequin 
and a canvas back. And I've seen my dad get canvas backs. I've seen Joe Curry get canvas backs. Uh, had a canvas back land in the spread, and my dang gun misfired <laughs> in Port O'Connor, and all these things. And and I've never got one. And I want a big bull Drake canvas back so bad I can taste it. And I've actually booked a hunt with Richard in Wisconsin. Is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, next year, and uh, we're going to go up there and try to get one. So maybe this come. What do you? What about you? What? I'd, I'd it'd probably easier just to have a list that I haven't, haven't gotten. gotten. Well, I mean, Corey, is there <laughs> I mean, one you want that you haven't gotten? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm actually – two of your three are, are on my hit list right now. There's a king eider and a harlequin there. Yeah, and I've had harlequins when I've uh, sea duck hunted many, many times on the East Coast, and those little blue suckers will fly just right by you in groups of 5, 10, 15, 25 of them, and you can't hunt them on the East Coast. Mm. it's illegal mm. you just got to let them go by and and you know when i was in kodiak got hurt <laughs> uh, not in kodiak when i was on unimac island doing the bear hunt for wildlifers we were glassing and you look off the rock cliffs and there's just hundreds of them uh. down there and you know first of all it's not duck season second of all i've got a 500 465 <laughs> nitro express so you know, won't be nothing left of your duck. chew up the ducks a little <laughs> yeah. bit so hopefully this year um maybe Corey and i can figure out a way to get a king eider and you can just keep adding to your Yeah, I've got a lot. You I find a wood duck. And, well, uh, I got you a wood duck, Dustin. You come on down. That's what everybody says, yeah, but they're never really there. They're never ducks. there <laughs> when we get there. Well, now that we know what everybody wants, I think we need to figure out what everybody's favorite duck hunt has been so far. And, you know, we talk about all these unbelievable hunts we've had up in, in Kansas, but my favorite duck hunt was the time that my dad, I was 11 years old, let me take the airboat. Joe and I, my little brother and I, he was nine, and drive the airboat probably 10 miles to his blind in the middle entrance in the lagoon in Port O'Connor, Texas, which would have been 1981. And I'm going to tell you what, I, I was about as proud of a little fellow as you can imagine being able to drive dad's <laughs> airboat all the way down to the middle entrance and park it and um, come back and get in the blind. And we had Dad's dog, Judge. It was a chocolate lab. And we got our limit of ducks and perhaps a couple more than we should have. But it was on a point system then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certain ducks were certain points and you were allotted, you know, a certain amount of points in total. And that's a little too much for an 11 and 9 year old to get added <laughs> up and put all together but I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations has run out on that so I'm going to go ahead and plead guilty but we had a, a we had a great time and that's probably the most memorable duck hunt of my entire life and I think because I was so scared driving that airboat next to those big barges and tugboats and I also know that my mother would have probably gut shot my dad had she not gone to Corpus that day Christmas <laughs> shopping and he let us take the boat what about you Dustin? Man, my, my favorite duck hunt so far has been in Kansas when we were in a flooded timber. And I remember, you know, sitting in this flooded timber, and, and I didn't have a dog then or any of that stuff, but to hear the, the call and, and to watch the ducks come by and they're, they're too high, and then they circle around, they're a little lower, and, you know, we're not moving, and I'm hiding behind a tree, and, and then to see them fall in the, into the hole, you know, they just fall straight down into the hole. And, you know, we got a great limit of greenhead mallard ducks. And just to hear the, you know, the way that 
they talked to us, you know, the, the ducks are talking, the callers were calling, and, and to watch them dive into that hole was, it was magical. You know, that's what got me hooked duck hunting. You know, hunting here on the coast, we're kind of more wide open, and, and we see the, bu- the ducks, you know, they're coming across, and they come into our decoys, and they come to the calls, but nothing like that day that they were diving into that flooded timber. Um, you know, that was that was a magical moment that got me hooked duck hunting. Yeah, that and, was, yeah. I was there. Beautiful. That was cool. That was very cool. And, and I don't have a lot of experience in flooded timber. You know, I've done it in Arkansas, and it was never really any good. You know, I felt like everywhere I went in Arkansas was about as overhunted as you could possibly get <laughs> it. And, mm-hmm. you know, literally the blinds that we were hunting in were like the room we're sitting in right now. I mean, it's kind of hard to hide a 600 square foot blind <laughs> you, you know, yeah. but um we they did cook a hell of a breakfast on a giant stove in the duck blind which <laughs> i found to be quite odd but we didn't really do any good and i i'm assuming that your best duck hunt was probably we were with you yes that's <laughs> having been on so few duck hunts and y'all being on oh, the 90 few yeah the been. few that i have been <laughs> i think the the first the, the, well we were talking about it earlier and just waterfowl in general but the whole hunt was special to me because I'd never hunted outside of Texas in my life and so my first opportunity to get to go out of state hunting was with y'all and I think the Canada geese or whatever you want to call them coming in to me was just I'd never seen a mallard first of all I'm not going to discredit the mallard hunting because they were just that was just amazing but when those big old geese were just right on top of us out in the middle of a field it was just I mean, I'd never seen one in my life, much less having them land on my head and then get to watch the, you know, the dogs work out there. And then, I mean, to me, the whole, just the whole three days or whatever it was we were up there was by far the, probably the best hunting experience period that I've ever been on. It was well, really it, a great well, time. It shouldn't be that easy for Corey Cribb to answer that question. Well. Your, your best duck hunt. I mean, my God, man. I mean. I I mean, as far as I would say, most memorable duck hunt. It's it's great because we I get to I'm fortunate enough to be on a lot of really really good duck and goose hunts because I hunt every day, and it's and it's that's that's great. But my, probably my most memorable it was burned into my mind. My dad got me this little single shot 410, and I was knee high to a grasshopper, and we had a, a Chicago Blackhawks hockey player out, Bobby Hall. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's a really cool guy. And I, w- I mean, I, I don't even know how old I was, but I couldn't have been three feet tall. And the wind was blowing like 40 miles an hour. We were in northern Illinois. And this big old Canada honker was just coming right down the pipe. And back then we hunted tree lines because they didn't even have layout blinds back then. That wasn't even a thing. So we had these little makeshift blinds we'd set up in between an opening in a tree line. And as the geese would come through there, we'd, you know, we'd cut them down. And I remember there's this one bird, he was about 80 yards to 100 yards over the top of the trees. And he just sat there and he, was, he came right over that pass and just sitting there fighting the wind. And I thought, oh yeah, this is it. And you know, everybody was still calling, my dad always calls the shot. You, know, you do not get out unless he calls that shot. And nobody said anything, I just grabbed that single shot 410 two and three quarter number whatever it was you know but not very big and i just stepped out and looked at that goose and i thought yep here we go boys 
pow. And he just sat there and looked down at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> just <laughs> flew on off. This did not end it, like I thought it was going to end. No, well, no, I was thinking <laughs> it was going to fall. This was kind, nope. of, kind of anticlimactic. No, here. it was <laughs> the most embarrassing moment of my life, I think, because, I mean, I had all these, all my dad's business people out there, and, uh, you know, everybody was watching me. And did you was, get in trouble? Oh, I got in trouble. I got a chewing bad, but it was, I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to have the shot called. Well, I, that that is just terrible. That is not how I wanted that. I was waiting <laughs> on the big goose to take just it and just fire well, like that, that. That's what I wanted, but it, it had to be 200 yards in the air. Well, <laughs> of all the goose hunts and duck hunts you've done in your life, that's your favorite one you missed? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we've shot – I mean, when, when it comes to seeing magical birds, you know, I'm up in Canada. We shot over 5,500 birds in a month. You know, I mean, when it comes to seeing the – sheer numbers canada and kansas you can't beat it for the the magical sights of hundreds and thousands of ducks piling in on you and that's stuff that's burned in your mind forever it, but that that one hunt when i was so small you know it just it, it was just i don't know why it was just burned in my mind it was something well i try to forget the ones i miss <laughs> <laughs> yeah I try to leave that one alone it's not always about how many you kill it is right? for me well that one was just really something. Yeah, it's always my like dad was my dad was chewing me out, you know, and and that Bobby Hall he reached out he you know he came over there he had this had this stogie he'd put in a corner of his mouth, you know, and he's come over there and slapped me on the back. He said, "Oh, f them guys, don't you worry about that young man." He said, "You just get out there and just be your man, just just take care of it." And I thought, well, "All right, yeah, that was pretty cool." Heck was yeah, great. man, that's that's awesome. That's it's crazy how that's what's cool about hunting. That's why we do it. For stories like that. Yeah. You know, it's not about killing well, every I do time. it for the stories where it ends a little differently. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I remember last year I took a guy hunting for turkeys here, and I called a bird up to 15 yards, and he missed him. And, you know, he said, well, I'm kind of glad I missed him, you know. And I'm like, man, I am so not glad you missed <laughs> yeah. him. Why was he glad? Well, because, he, you know, he could keep hunting, but and it was just still his first bird. It didn't really matter, but. As far as I'm concerned, with when that bird didn't flop, it was fail. <laughs> it was absolute epic fail, and I just, I can't ever get on that boat, you know, of I go for the experience. Hell, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've had the experience. Right. <laughs> you know, now it's it, for something else. Well. Memories. Yeah, I mean, let's go duck hunting and miss every duck we have come in the decoys, and it'll be a great hunt. No, yeah. Crib. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe well. we don't shoot at them with a 410 at 200 yards. All right, well, I'll give I mean, you that. But, yeah, it's funny how things like that stick out into your mind. But there's so many, for me, memorable duck hunts. And, you know, the ones that really touch me, I guess, more than any of them now that probably weren't that special then were those that I remember with my dad because he's not here anymore. And, uh, you know, I think you begin to remember those more vividly and cherish them a little more once he's gone. Um, you know, of him screaming at Judge, his dog, who was not – you know how Molly acts? Oh, yeah. Well, Judge doesn't act anything like that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know how you can blow that whistle and Molly will stop? I think Judge might have been absent that day in class. <laughs> and, you know, if you picked the gun up one inch, Judge was going to run off 400 yards, and it didn't matter if you shot or you didn't, and he <laughs> might be back in an hour maybe. Um, but – you know, I remember him screaming at Judge, and I always thought to myself, why don't you get one that doesn't do that? <laughs> and 
you know, now I'd give anything I own if I could just go with him and watch him scream at Judge again. One more time. One more time, yeah. Yes, sir. Um, but that was the one. He wasn't a big hunter by the time I was old enough to go with him. But the waterfowl and the dove hunting was the only thing that he really kept doing for a very long time. So we got to do a lot of that with him. But for sure, one thing for sure about it, if once you start waterfowl hunting, you're not going to be short on stories. No. No, never. Every day is just. It's Whether you kill a bunch or. Or don't kill any. A zero. It doesn't matter. Because I, still you know, fun. And, you know, anybody that says that they always go out and pile them up you know, is a liar. That's a fact. Because sometimes it doesn't work because we have absolutely piled them up with you and we've absolutely not. Yes, sir. And That's hunting. That's the way it goes. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um. I'll put our resume up against anybody in the deer and turkey hunting business, and we're not 100%. It's just sometimes it doesn't yep. work out that way. But the yep. greatest thing that ever happened with you, Corey, was that one time we would, uh, I don't know if we were duck or goose hunting. I think we were hunting both. And we didn't kill a single bird. Not a one. And then Richard came up with the idea to take all the decoys and make <laughs> a zero out of it <laughs> and take a picture with it. And he wouldn't take a picture with us, remember? Yeah, he, he, he <laughs> threw a little, little child's thing. Yeah. No, I'm no, not, I'm not taking getting a picture in that with you. Picture? No. How dare y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then I, we put that on. <laughs> on facebook <laughs> and i get this text from him and he's like i got clients coming in there canceling <laughs> we took it down but it was kind of funny because i know that you tried really hard and that day it just wasn't in the cards man yeah. but it was so frustrating to sit there and have god knows how many thousands of ducks and geese just right, right there, there. Like 300 yards yeah and then one of the guides, I don't remember who it was that worked for Corey, said they were right here, 440 yesterday afternoon. Yeah, videoed it. Yeah. We could and see their tracks. They get up, <laughs> and they could not possibly on a GPS and a compass go more in the opposite direction. That's Every right. one of them, like five at a time, <laughs> would get up, and I'd look over at Corey, and I'd be like, what's up? He goes, no big deal. There's plenty of them there. Yep, you know, an be. hour later, I'd go, what's up? And he goes, I'm not worried. <laughs> I'm not worried. It was like you couldn't see 50 <laughs> yards, and I'm like, are you worried yet? <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I mean, they are wild animals, you know, and sometimes they don't do what you want to do. But but when it when it does happen and they do do it right, it makes it that much better. You know? Well, you know, yeah. normally you're going to get some that do it. Right. It's a rare day when absolutely none, none out of 15,000. Or more. And that day, do it. And that, that day was that it was day. Like that, and it's the only day it's ever yeah. been like yeah. that. And I hope it but was the last one, but it won't be. That's hunting. No, it but won't be. let me tell you something. That was, it was, I was almost glad that it happened because I could sit there and I could poke them shotgun shells and cribs. Ribs. Oh, yeah. Still <laughs> can. Going, are you sure that, that, what's his name? Andrew? Andrew. Andrew. I said, are you sure Andrew saw him in this field? It wasn't the one that they're all going to now. <laughs> it, w it was just funny. Uh. But. It got me fired up. I mean, gosh, dang it. Yeah, but it makes for a better I think he shot story. a decoy, actually. Yeah. I think he, he did. did. Shoot a, yeah. He did. Shot a hey, you remember that one goose on that first morning, a first afternoon hunt? Shot that goose up real oh, high. Way I high. And he yep. came down and went through the decoy yep. and impaled himself on, on the, the decoy. On the decoy stake. Yep. Right All through, through the breast. Yep. And Molly brings it back, and I'm looking at it. I'm going, man, this does not look right. What the hell is going on? And she's got a decoy. 
part of the decoy the and goose. the goose. Yeah, bring it that back, and she's awesome. not big enough to retrieve a big Canada goose, much less a big Canada goose and a big decoy. Canada goose decoy. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. But you know, she's all dragging it backwards, <laughs> trying to bring it back to me, and I'm like, what in the hell am I looking at? That was, was neat. Good. That was. Wasn't hardly cold at all that day. No, no, I think it only got down to four. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't bad. No. <laughs> I mean, the high you of like. You guys used to that, that down here, huh? No. Yeah. Please. Oh, man, it gets so cold out there. I know one time we were up in Nebraska hunting with some other friends, and it was mi- minus it was one cold. degrees for a high Ugh. that day. And Molly had these big ice things yeah. just off of every, like her yeah. eyelashes and her whiskers. And, you know, you look down at her, and I'm frozen, and I've got on no less than 35 layers of clothes. And she's just wagging her tail, just happy, happy as, as a lark. I'm like, this, yep. this, this dog needs some serious mental help. I think they you took it. some good pictures yeah. of her with oh, the icicles yeah. on her face and on her whiskers. That was really she's, neat. Yeah. Well, I look forward to making many, many more great hunting stories. And uh, we really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to this podcast uh, living the wildlife by the wildlifers and once again we thank bill fick ford and uh big time as well as grizzly coolers and we uh, hope you'll tune in next time and hear some more of it thank you you are listening to the wildlifers podcast Go to www.wildlifers.tv to check out more about the wildlifers and to listen to other podcasts.